Brian, what made you desire to start making your amazing videos on, and that got picked up by you, Catholic? Well, thanks for the question. You're welcome. Um, well, for as long as I've been Catholic, and even prior to becoming Catholic, I was involved in some aspect of, of ministry. Be before I even started to, uh, well, before I was confirmed, I had been recruited. You, I don't know if you guys were at the first session, you remember me talking about the face-melting guitar virtuosity. I, they had found out at my parish that I played guitar, and so the youth ministry coordinator, I'm somewhat embarrassed by this because my sensibilities have evolved quite a bit on liturgy. But back then, I knew nothing as a Catholic, and there was a life teen mass, and they wanted to recruit. The, the missing piece was the electric guitarist. So they recruited me to come in there and, and really spice things up and, and, and make it really exciting. So I had been involved in, in ministry longer than I've even been Catholic. And then when my kids came along, so that evolved to me actually leading the music at, at, at this particular mass. And then when my kids came along, I had to back away from ministry a little bit, especially uh, liturgical ministry, uh, because my wife needed me to be sitting with her in the pews. So I, I retreated away and became, for the first time ever as a Catholic, probably like 10 years into it, I became uh, an everyday pew-sitting Catholic. And it was weird to see it from the other side. And in my experience, it created a lot of restless for me, restlessness for me. I, I struggled to to just feel like I was passively uh, uh, engaging my faith as opposed to proactively doing something and, and helping the church in some way. Um, so that was there was this restlessness there. Now I'm also a, a graphic designer, a communicator, um, a strategic communicator, a marketing professional, and a consultant. Um, so noticing that this is an area that, that the Catholic Church, and I don't just mean the institution, but I mean we as Catholics really struggle to articulate our faith well in, in a compelling way. And I think that's in large part because it's been so well articulated in the past by the real trailblazers, whether they be philosophers or theologians or evangelists, that we've gotten lazy about that. We've just decided to say, well, I don't, I don't need to try that hard. I can just fall back on, on a lot of what's already been done to the degree that it almost has become cliche, right? Like we've got these these buzzwords and these these catchphrases that we use as Catholics and as Christians um, that don't feel like they have a lot of substance because we don't even really know what they mean anymore a lot of the time. So it's important for us to communicate well, to to really, first of all, understand our own faith and what it is that we believe and why we believe it, and then to com communicate it in compelling ways, ways that will resonate with other people because they, they grasp the substance of it. Um, so being formed in this, this more secular tradition of strategic communication, uh, I think inspired me a little bit to see what can be done with, with the church. So that's, that's, a, that's a piece of it. As, as a graphic designer and a media professional by trade as well, I also knew that just what you say is only part of the package. So you can, you can go to a job interview or you can go to a school uh, application if they, if they actually interview you. If you show up wearing sweatpants or pajama pants and, uh, and a two-day-old t-shirt and uh, you, know, you haven't showered and you haven't groomed or anything like that, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how qualified you are, you're going to get written off, right? The packaging of what you have to say matters a lot. And this is something that historically we've really understood um, in our faith. Our faith isn't just what we say. Um, because a lot of people struggle to understand the depths of the theology and the philosophy that, that, that we 
that we use. Um, and, and you go back generations to when people were illiterate, they had to use other means to tell the story of our faith. So that comes in the form of, of iconography, sacred art, of architecture, of, you think of the soaring vaulted uh, ceilings of a Gothic cathedral. I mean, all of these kinds of things, they communicate aspects of the glory of God and, and where we should be directing our attention and our focus when we pray. Um, so it's important to tell our story in compelling ways that aren't just relying on tired uh, and trite modes um, or that are just merely bland words. Right? Like we have to, we have to engage this in, in, in new ways. So all of these kinds of realizations, I think, um, converged for me in what I could offer potentially. Now at the same time, there's just a practical side of this in that uh, I wanted to learn videography better. I had a little bit of exposure to it, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about it and, and get that to a degree where I could offer it professionally as just part of my, my own service offering. Um, so I, I bought some camera gear and I bought, well, I already had the software as part of my Adobe Creative Suite, but I started to learn video editing. But I also knew that, you know, it's, I could do a few tutorials or take a few lessons and that, that might help me in the moment, but I'll, I'll probably forget that if I don't keep up with it. So I knew that starting something like a YouTube channel would, would help me stay focused and renew that understanding as time goes on. Um, and I just thought, well, I had also been writing essays because I would just get these revelations, usually in the shower, because I don't know what it is about the shower. Like the blood's flowing and it's going to your brain and then all of a sudden I'd be like, wow, that's a great idea. And then I'd get out and I'd get cold and then the idea would be gone, right? So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't losing these ideas because I thought that they were really compelling. So I would usually go and get out of the shower or often after when I come back from runs, that's another one. Um, runs just for me inspire a lot of creativity. So I'd come back from a run, go downstairs, get on my computer, and type up an essay. So I had like fold, a folder filled with these essays. And I thought, well, that's maybe some, I can do something with those as well as learn videography. So I started a YouTube channel, and that really, my expectation of this was that maybe a few of my friends and family will give me like 10 to 20 pity views. Um, that's really all I expected. This was sort of like a personal thing that was just going to be an attempt to hone some some new skill for me and provide an outlet for for some of these essays that I had been writing. Uh, and then it, to to my surprise, it, it grew from there, and and people started paying attention. Um, so that's I don't know. That's the basic story of the YouTube channel. So my question is more along the lines of evangelizing and speaking out about your faith, which you two seem very qualified to answer. A friend of mine recently told me that she supports gay rights. How exactly would I go about changing her mind? Can I start this one? <laughs> if your friend is a professes to believe the Catholic faith, then... Yeah, no, okay. If they profess to believe the Catholic faith, then you could go down the angle of, well, we are all called to grow in the fullness of virtue. Let's explore that together. And where did you, you know, like, where did, how did you form your ideas? And we prepare to do a lot of listening and walking with. If someone has, has no reason to, to, uh, put their heart or trust in the Catholic faith, um, the short version is, I think the greatest thing is once a person is been truly invested in their way of thinking, we're really dealing with a, 
I'll put it this way. Okay, to be holy is to honor what God has authored. Okay, to counter holiness is to counter what God has authored. Now, same-sex relationships counter what God has authored as does transgender uh, pursuits, okay? It counters what God has authored. If someone wants to support what, a countering of what God has authored, what is the origin of their thinking, okay? Okay, so the origin of their thinking has some serious power. There is some high powers uh, influencing that. Now, what breaks that? Prayer and fasting, number one, and you hope and pray for their conversion. I wish there was a better way, like you could convince them, but I do not think it's really possible for you to get, or, or you, or I'm not saying you, like everyone, if for anybody to do an intellectual convincing, it would be very rare when someone has already dug their feet in and become invested in supporting something which is rooted in the rejection of virtue, holiness, and truth. Is that okay? Prayer and fasting, and, and you know what? Here's the other thing. God might take that prayer and fasting and your efforts and everything like that and be like, you know what? That person that he wants them to, to you know, have an impact, there's someone else who needs it more. So whatever you do, your prayer and fasting is never wasted. God will put it to someone who needs it in God's wisdom and his way. Just keep praying and keep fasting. Yeah. That's good. Did you, were you at the session this morning when I, when I gave a talk? Yeah, so I don't know if you remember me saying that I'm, I'm not so convinced that people are really rational when it comes to their ideologies or the reasons that they believe the things that they, they say. They'll say that, oh yes, it's because of this train of thought or whatever, if they even get that far. Um, but usually they just resort into bumper sticker cliche slogans and that kind of thing, right? As in love is love or don't be a bigot or, or, or whatever else, right? So there you go. And I mean, that's that's not really grounded in an argument. These are just assertions and moral impositions that she's placing on you, right? So a lot of this comes down to, like, I really agree with Hudson on this notion that um, that, that prayer and fasting, are, sometimes that's all you can do. Um, because this is a matter of the heart for this person. This isn't a matter of logic for, for most people. Natural law is pretty self-evident. I mean, sex, if we're going to talk about sex and the, the purpose of sex and the nature of sex and how body parts even just fit together, it does not take a rocket scientist or anybody can see and look at it and figure out, oh, this is how this works. This is fairly plain in terms of natural, uh, the natural scope of what we're talking about here. Um, so it's not, it's not so much for me a question of argument. If you do want to have a conversation with somebody about it, um, I'm a big believer in Socratic dialogue. I'm not, I'm not sure how many of you guys are familiar with, with this. This goes back to, um, this is what is Socrates' big claim to f fame. So his student, Plato, wrote a bunch of dialogues which depict Socrates in these arguments with various characters uh, from Athens where they, where, they, where they lived. And Socrates' approach to any conversation like this was to just start asking questions. Um, and if the person is really committed to being logically consistent, if you keep asking them questions, and if they're trying to defend a fallacious position or just something that isn't true, it doesn't take long before the, their contradictions start to emerge as you ask them questions. So if someone's talking about same-sex marriage, I would just start with, okay, why? When you put somebody on the defensive, it becomes really hard for them to actually defend and articulate what it is they believe. If you put the burden of proof on them, they're going to start to stumble in a big way. Um, so what, why, why? Tell me. Tell me why you believe that this is good. Why is it true? Um, well, I don't think we should judge. Okay, why don't you think we should judge? Unpack it more. 
what is a marriage? That's a great question mm-hmm. to ask people when it comes to same-sex marriage. What is a marriage? They'll, like, define marriage for me. Because we used to have a definition, and that's apparently bigoted. So let's tell me what the new definition is. Well, it's, a, it's an intimate, committed relationship between two people. Why two people? Like, isn't that fairly narrow-minded? Why does it have to be two people? Um, frankly, <laughs> why do we have to, to get the government's permission to go on having a committed sexual relationship? What is the point of that? Like, do we ever think about, about this in terms of the question of, of marriage? Like, why do we have to get a, a publicly signed document to go on having a sexual relationship with somebody? Frankly, there, there really isn't any point to that. I don't, do you want to jump in there, Hudson? Yeah, I'm going to jump in. <laughs> I, I've dealt with a lot of people who are absolutely staunchly counter-truth. I was going to say counter-Catholic, but they're really counter-truth. And that brings me to the first point, is that it, let's, let's all reframe our thinking. Uh, we, we, could, we could go places with these dialogues. If, instead of saying church teaching, church teaching, which a person interprets as church invention, church invention, sure. talk about... These are the truths that the church upholds. These are the truths that the church upholds. Yeah, that, that pineapple tree out there, they're not, they don't even grow on trees. Okay, I'm from Canada. Whatever. That tree, that apple tree over there, it makes little apples, you know? It doesn't make avocados, you know? It doesn't make oranges. The church would actually uphold that to be true because the church upholds truth. And as true as the true spotless bride of Christ, but that's the next level. The other thing is about, isn't saying like, well, we shouldn't make judgments. Isn't that in and of itself a judgment? So there's a self-contradictory kind of proposition right there. And the last one, I love this, is like, well, diversity is important. Yeah, I can agree with that. But true diversity would include um, the, the voice of the church, wouldn't it now? You know? But this, these people who are doing this stuff, they've got no, they don't have a logical leg to stand on. But because they're allowed, they allow themselves to, to revel in their contradiction without even acknowledging that it's a contradiction. Right? It truly reflects the will of the demon. You know, you got to understand the will of a demon. It is the complete rejection of truth. And inside that, you're allowed to, to have these contradictions. And you're allowed to, to do whatever you want in those contradictions because it is, it, is a, it is an extra slap in the face to logos, truth. Okay, I just I blacked out. What did I say? Just kidding. No, I'm saying that. <laughs> That's a good, good, good question. I mean, we deal with these people all the time. But here's one thing that I didn't get to, okay, um, is that... This person is just waiting for you to, waiting for average Joe Catholic to flip out so they can say, I was right, these Catholics are angry, bad people. So what you do is you undo that narrative by just being this loving face that does not, they do not get under your skin, okay? You be the loving face. And sometimes it's hard, right? But never allow yourself to be emotionally manipulated. So I would never take this emotional manipulation from in any other context. I won't take it here. I don't appreciate it, you know? This is unreasonable. I don't appreciate this. You know, talk to me again in a couple days. I know we've known each other for 10 years, but this isn't cool, man. Or woman, right? Wait, wait, wait. That I assume someone's gender. <laughs> okay. Uh, I could go on for days about this. Another question? Comment? So the Catholic Church is getting a lot of backlash, and it has because of abuse scandals. Um, within the church, and this goes back a lot in our history. Um, Catholic history isn't always the cleanest. Yeah. How would you go about approaching somebody who is very um, set on dragging you down based on this history? There's um, an important distinction between the church and the people of the church. 
And what I tell people, I said, look, some, uh, some Muslim goes and blows up a building, you don't say that's the Islam. No, no one would say that, right? So I say, you obviously separate the person from the religion. So we should probably do that for Christianity as well. What these people did does not necessarily reflect what the church actually upholds to be true and good. That's where I start with that. But if someone is relentlessly in your face, see prior question, right? Um, I used to teach in an Islamic school, so I feel like I can say this kind of stuff. Like, it was, that's another, that's another conference. <laughs> but anyway, one thing I was going to mention real quick, celibacy, there's, people get that mixed up with chastity, which is a bad idea. Chastity, disposition of the heart. Celibacy has to do with state and life. It's a discipline, state and life. With not, not being married. And then abstinence, which is like the, the ab, anti, not, beha- not having a behavior, right? Not behaving and not doing something. And people forget that there, you can have chaste celibacy in which the heart of the person living celibately is continuously being transformed to the will of God in honor, of, in honor and respect of what he has authored. That's chaste celibacy, and in that there is joy. But then there's also unchaste celibacy. That's a person who is living celibately but is resentful that they're not able to have sex like those straight people. Okay, Unchaste celibacy and chaste celibacy are huge because unchaste celibacy does not lead to a transformation of the heart. In fact, it leads to a white knuckling it way through life. But people who are white knuckling behavior rarely can live their whole way through life perfectly behaved. You know, no one's perfect, right? And then what do you get? The, ma- the maximum side of that, you get someone like McCarrick with a rotten heart who was living celibately and was under the radar because everyone thought celibacy meant amazing and holy. Wrong. There's, celibacy has nothing to do with the state of the heart. Chastity does. So what he had was an unchaste celibacy. And until people are talking about that, we can never get to the kernel of these issues with sexual abuse in the church and the clergy and anybody. Unchaste, unchastity at the root is where it begins because it's a rejection of the transformation of heart. It's a rejection of virtue, rejection of holiness, and rejection of Christ. It's actually anti-Christ to reject chastity, which is why people who reject the idea that male and female are complementarity, God, there's a complementarity, those people are actually promoting an anti-Christ ideology. And the sad thing is some of those people are actually Catholics with high-level uh, Twitter accounts. You know what I'm saying. They're actually promoting an anti-Christ ideology because they're anti-virtue, by anti, being anti-chastity uh, by, by promoting things that are counter to what God has authored and to the complementarity of our human bodies that male and female actually go together. The end. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I... I, I don't think I have a lot that I could add to that. Um, but one thing I will say is that on these questions of how do I interact with my friends and my family, how do I evangelize, uh, and we, we tend to have this notion in the back of our minds that we have, to be, uh, we have to be apologists or we have to be geniuses in philosophy and theology. And I don't think that's always necessarily true. I think people will appreciate just as much so, if not more so, your own authenticity. So you have your own reasons for believing what you do, right? Spend some time thinking about about how you can articulate that. Not just to them, but to yourself. Spend some time reflecting on that yourself. Why do I believe the things I do? Why am I still Catholic in light of these things? Because obviously there's, there's something substantial there that's keeping you connected to your faith. So how can you communicate that to people and just be yourself, just witness yourself to people? And I think that goes a, a lot further um, than a lot of these some, some higher level abstract things can for, for a lot of people. It can connect with them a lot, a lot more meaningful ways, especially if you're friends with them because 
they're interested in you. I mean, if they're bringing this up with you, they're, it's likely, I mean, they're not going around just stopping people on the street and be like, why? Are you Catholic? Why? Why are you still Catholic? It's like, they're interested in you. So share some of yourself with them. I think that that's going to go a long way to, to being a meaningful exchange for them. And you probably. Yeah, uh, on that note too, like, so I, I'm talking, I don't know, I just get going on this stuff about virtue. It's beautiful and it's joyful and all that stuff, but there's truth underlying it. But yeah, someone get you know talks to me and says, so what, what are some of the reasons you're Catholic? Okay, math, well, phew, over their head. So I'm not going to go there. I'll say, well, you know what? I was at adoration one time, and I looked over to the side, and I saw Jesus radiating out of some girl who was just on the pew for me. And I was utterly blown away that Jesus actually comes to us. He came to me in the moment, and when I laid down in the pew, like on my head on my backpack, not, not her lap because she was right beside me, but when I laid down in the pew, God... God filled my heart. I invited him in. He filled my heart. He literally filled my heart. It was just the most unbelievable thing. And I can't put words on that to fully describe the beauty of that, but I wish every human being could taste that. I get, you know, you see what I mean? Like, I can go there, and how can someone argue with that? Yeah, how can someone argue with that? And, and it's just, God does that. <laughs> He'll come to anybody. Any other takers? Anybody else? Thank you all for your questions, by the way. I, I do appreciate it, you know. And if you have any more questions for me, I, I, maybe I can speak for Brian, too. Just try and get a hold of us through our mediums and stuff. Not, not like, oh, mediums. I mean, like, our channels, you know. <laughs> not our channels. Oh, my gosh. Our emails. I'm sure we'd be happy to. I'd be happy. Yeah, to I know a lot of people, uh, the younger people get, the less they're using Facebook, it seems, these days. But that's probably one of the best ways to get a hold of me. Like, I've got email and stuff like that. But my email is more for business uh, activities, right? So I'm, I'm really focused on responding to clients through my email um, so that when personal stuff comes in, it tends to get neglected. But my Facebook page, a lot of people do message me through my Facebook page. And I'm not, I'm not going to respond to you on, on that day. Usually what I do is like once a week or every couple of weeks, I'll sit down and I'll just kind of go through them. Um, and so I do my best to respond that way. But even if I don't respond, I, I am reading them. So if, even if you're just asking for prayer requests or anything like that, um, I'm definitely available that way. But also, of course, while we're here, I mean, if you do have a question or you see us walking around or even after this session, if you don't want to actually articulate your question out loud in front of everybody, feel free to come up and approach us afterwards. Totally. Do you guys have any uh, resources or anything you want to suggest to the crowd? Uh, I, I think, okay, I'll start. <laughs> well, I'm going to start. I think it would be great for anyone to start with things by Christopher West, Jason Everett, Matt Frad, Ascension Press, um, Augustine Institute, and uh, and Brian's videos, and Father Chad Ripperger, who the other speaker brought up. If you started with those, you'd have almost a lifetime of things to listen to and read. Okay, and I would start with those ones because they all coordinate with the, the deep value of virtue and how to crack that open. And on a higher level, Joseph Pieper. Yep. Joseph Pieper, awesome. unbelievable, can change your life. I mean, I, I rattled a few off in my talk this morning, um, and it really depends on what what your flavor is, what what you identify with, what what kind of content. Um, Hudson named a, a lot of good stuff that's fairly easy to consume. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. When I became Catholic, and when I was even after I'd been Catholic for a while. Um, they had those CD displays. I think they still have some of those in churches, like the St. Joseph's Communications ones. Um, but that was like it. There was no Catholic YouTubers. There was Social media wasn't even really happening at the time. I remember I emailed somebody at St. Joseph's Communication and was just like, how can I find some Catholic content? Because I, I want to learn my faith more. And they were like, oh, have you ever heard of uh, Catholic Answers Radio? And I was like, well... No, <laughs> we don't have Catholic radio up in Canada, at least where I am. I think they might out east a little bit. But 
Um, there's n- none of that up where I live. And, and so they were like, oh, go to catholic.com. And it was just kind of getting started. But now it's pretty well established, a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, Father and then Bishop Barron, he's been, I mean, there's a huge library. You could just spend time just listening to his stuff and, and, and really get a lot out of that. Um, Ascension Presents is doing a lot of great stuff. If it comes down to a book, for me, a lot of people don't, would, disagree, would take issue with this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. Uh, maybe stop the recording. No, I'm just joking. Um, is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That one totally changed my life in, in a big way. When I first started becoming, it's not, he's not Catholic. He was, he was an Anglo-Catholic, so he was a member of the Church of England. Um, so he doesn't get into sacraments. He doesn't get into the communion of saints and things like that. He, get, he, he in this book specifically, he touches on mere Christianity, mere being what's common to all people who call themselves Christian. He, touches, he, he hits those touchstones, and he, he develops a really, one of my favorite arguments for the existence of God. And then he compares that to some other variations of religious persuasions that are out there, like pantheism and, and dualism and those kinds of things. And then he builds up to Christ, and then he explains what Christians actually believe. And that book, I, I got into it because when I first uh, was inching my way towards Catholicism, my family was not having it. They did not like the idea of it. My older brother was at the same time embracing nihilism. So he was really big into Nietzsche and, and a few other like Eastern sort of literature like like Franz Kafka and stuff like that and, and Dostoevsky, uh, ironically, because he's Christian, but, um, but Nietzsche was his sort of go-to. And I had no exposure to philosophy or anything like that. So he started challenging me on these, these go-to questions and I had no response. And I remember feeling really stupid and embarrassed by that. So I had heard that C.S. Lewis is, he's kind of our guy to go to, right? So I started reading Mere Christianity thinking that the next time I get into an argument with somebody, I'm going to, I'm going to shut them down and I'm not going to walk away with my, my tail between my legs. Um, and in part, it's true. It did equip me with some really solid arguments, but at the same time told me not to be a a d-bag about this don't don't go into this thinking that you're just going to win arguments think about it in terms of like the good of another person right so i not only was equipped really well in terms of arguments i came into a new understanding of what christianity really is and what it means to to follow it and to 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 live it out um i i learned on the patrick coffin show he shared a quote from bishop fulton sheen archbishop fulton sheen the idea that you can win the argument but lose the soul right and uh, sometimes I have to remind myself of that all the time because sometimes I'm like, oh, win this truth. And it's like, no, 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 man. I, could, I might not be doing it right, yeah. you know? Always makes you rethink about how are you doing this. And uh, that's that's another two resources, Catholic Answers and the Patrick Coffin Show, I find uh, quite interesting. So Yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding arrogant, um, I have won a lot of these kinds of arguments and, and not once did I actually argue somebody into a relationship with Jesus. Usually they just walked away resenting me. And I feel like I can say that, I can admit that I have won a lot of arguments and it's not because I'm way smarter than anybody else. Like I said earlier in my talk, it's easier to defend truth than it is to defend fallacy. You have to be really smart to build a logical, cohesive argument around a fallacy. It doesn't take a high intellect to to just defend something that is clearly and obviously true. Um, but you have to you have to approach this, again, with concern for the other person, far more so than your own, uh, your own vanity, your own pride, your own objective of of winning the argument. If if that's your objective, you're not you're not going to be helping anybody. Okay. Are you good? Yeah, thank you. I'll 
Thank you guys both very much. Do you have something else you wanted to say? Uh, I just wanted everyone to, let to know there is there is a Lighthouse Media CD of a talk that I gave at like the Canadian equivalent of Focus, and it kind of covers some things, can be helpful for addressing things like to bring it to your youth group or whatever, your men's group or something. Everybody in the room, there's, one enough, there's enough for all of you back here. It's on the house. Take one if you like. Awesome. Thank you. Let's hear it for these guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.